This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Breast cancer surgeries and wait times in Ottawa, they, they are so considerable that women are going to a private clinic in Montreal. Now, private clinics um, are not allowed to provide services covered by the Canada Health Act. You already know this, right? With our uh, health care system, we're not allowed to sort of, you know, sneak around the system itself. You're supposed to wait. It doesn't matter if you've paid your taxes, paid your bills, you've done everything right. It doesn't matter if you're, in this case, a, a woman of means. You find a lump on your breast in Ontario. What are you supposed to do? Sit there and wait. You're supposed to sit there and wait. Okay. John Fraser is going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour after 7.30, as a matter of fact. He's the Ontario interim liberal leader. Um, he asked a very good question about hospitals and a, a very good question about healthcare right now. But then he pointed this out, that Ottawa hospitals have terrible wait times for um, giving mastectomies in, in pretty urgent circumstances. The minister hasn't been able to answer this question, which is, why do surgeons have to rent operating rooms in a hospital that they have privileges at? and hire nurses off book from the hospital they work in and then get a private company to provide the tools that they need to get the wait list down. But now we all know that Ottawa, the Ottawa hospital, has the worst wait times for breast cancer surgery in the whole province, forcing women to go to Montreal and pay. This government's priorities are all wrong. It's not ideal to go to Montreal and pay. There's no question about that. But I, and I don't think he's I don't think I'm pretty sure he's not criticizing the women for doing this. Um, they list a few uh, first names in the stories of uh, women finding out, oh, there's a lump on my breast. Uh, I, I, you know, can I get a biopsy? OK, you've got an invasive form of cancer on your breast. You're at an early stage, but the, the cancer spread to your lymph nodes. I want this out ASAP. She met with a surgeon at the Ottawa Hospital. So that's late October of last year. Hey, um, we've only got a date in December and you may not get surgery till January, but that January surgery might get pushed back to February. That's no good. That's no good. And other people said, yeah, I, I had a similar surgery and it got pushed back. So she didn't wait. And she decided to contact uh, a clinic in Montreal, largest private breast center in Canada, as a matter of fact. Now, um, look, I understand John Fraser being frustrated with the provincial government, but I what I don't hear is the concept of, hey, we should actually give people choices. He's just saying, damn it, if only well, if only what? If only wait times were less, I agree with you. If only there was more wiggle room given to people who perform mastectomies to allow them to perform more. But I don't hear any of that. I hear criticism of the Ford government. I got all day for it. I'm all here for you criticizing the Ford PCs regarding health care. They've dropped a lot of balls along the way on this file in close to five years now. They have. I also have all day to criticize anybody suggesting there shouldn't be a choice for women with breast cancer, for men with colon cancer to elect to pay, at least in part, out of their own damn pockets and make their own damn choices as adults for a surgery where they live. So they don't die. I'm, I'm all for that. And I don't hear that for now from John Fraser. I think the liberals talking to Dr. Adil Shamji when we've talked to him. Um, I mean, there's only eight liberal MPPs, so you, you can only pick and choose so many. And I don't say that, you know, snidely. I say that because that's a practicality of where the liberals are at right now. 
But I think the liberals are a little more open minded to reframing health care. The NDP are losers on this issue. They really are. They're just, well, damn it. If only there was another way. There are other ways in other countries. Nobody, nobody in the world wants our health care system. Nobody else has our health care system right now. It isn't 1966 anymore. There are 19 million people living in Canada. There's practically 40 and there's going to be more. Of course, this wait time is unacceptable, but I've yet to see Ottawa hospitals prove that they can actually run their hospitals properly. And it's all our money. It's all public money that they're running it with. I just see them adding more vice presidents and paying CEOs 700, 800 grand and adding vice presidents and not doing anything at the baseline where, yeah, maybe we should be able to perform more breast cancer surgeries, especially in the early stages when you can prevent things. Um, I see a comment from a woman, Christine McMillan. God bless her. Like, like so brave to even talk about this. I was shocked when they suggested private. This is our great Canadian healthcare system. No, that's the problem. Nobody thinks it's great. Nobody wants it in their country. And we seem stuck with it until there's movement one way or the other. And these are torturous waits, torturous waits for these women going to bed at night, tossing and turning, wondering if uh, if their if their lives will ever be the same again or even if they'll be alive three or four days from now. It's no good. 24 weeks after meeting with a surgeon, that wait, ridiculous. 27 weeks after being diagnosed with cancer, also ridiculous. But this is our system. So this isn't about practicality. This is about changing the system at a point in time. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. John Fraser is the Ontario interim liberal leader. I'm so glad you're coming on and I watched you talk passionately about this yesterday. And I made the point earlier, John, you're not blaming these women in desperate circumstances for going to Montreal. I made that very clear that that's the case and, and paying out of pocket because I think desperate times call for desperate measures. Yes, no. And, you know, in actual fact, there are dozens of women in particular uh, in Ottawa at the Ottawa hospital uh, that are literally being told by their, uh, their surgeons that there's an alternative in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the surgeons are, uh, they're just, you know, they're feeling compassion for their, for their patients who are having to wait sometimes double uh, or more than the recommended safe, effective time in which you should have surgery. So at, at one of the campuses, at the general campus of the Ottawa Hospital, only 13%, 13%, one three of women uh, with breast cancer are getting surgery within the recommended time. At another camp, it's it's thirty percent, thirty percent. It's um, it's you know it's these there are women that are suffering, dozens of women who are suffering uh, the weight, the worry, uh, and in some cases having to go and um, and spend their own money to get service, uh, get surgery, I should say, mm-hmm. um, quicker, and so that they um, they can you know they've got cancer inside their body and they're concerned about it spreading. And um, and that can create a lot of anxiety. So, which doesn't help you uh, when you're you know when you're stressed when you're ill is uh, is not good for your body. What what fixes this? And I'm going to ask this because they're they're it's they're quoted in the story asking I, they don't these women don't understand why surgeries are limited to like eight to four Monday to Friday. This one woman says I'd have gone in at midnight, and I think many of us have actually had an MRI appointment, and it's been Friday night at ten o'clock or Tuesday morning at one a.m. It I, I think they don't quite get why like why we're operating 
life-saving surgeries that, to your point, can um, ease people's pain and make them better. And we're operating it like it's a, like it's a convenience store. Like it should be, it, there should be a lot more options for for patients. Well, the interesting thing in Ottawa at the, at the, the same hospital is at that hospital, uh, and this is with the minister's blessing, orthopedic surgeons are having to rent an OR that wasn't being used in that hospital and pay nurses off book, some of the nurses who actually work in that hospital, and then go out and privately get uh, the tools that they need to do the surgery just to treat the same patients they would have treated in the hospital anyways to get the wait list down. And so this is something the hospital's done as an initiative. And at the same time, you have, at the, in the same campus, women with breast cancer only getting um, the treatment that they need within, you know, 13% of the recommended time. It's, so something's messed up there. I mean, they, they uh, so they see this, they're going, why is this happening with hips and knees? And why do they have to rent rooms? And well, why are they, I've got cancer. Is Why am I so far down the list? Like why it, it's, it's, it's hard to understand. And, the, and there's not any kind of clarity or clear communication uh, from the hospital, the ministry, uh, Ontario health. Yeah. And and so um, this is a big problem uh, for uh, women in Ottawa who are being served at that hospital, and it doesn't seem to be on the government's radar screen. I, I agree with you, and I want I want a more uh, available, accessible, transparent Minister of Health. I think she, I, me, I think she's been a colossal disappointment in this role. I really do, Sylvia Jones. But I'd also make the case, um, I think the Liberal Party is a little more open-minded than the NDP is to questioning if we have universal access, but but that access isn't timely, do we need to rethink some of what we do in our philosophies about healthcare? Do we? Well, you know, I think we, look, we are supportive for if you want to do standalone surgical centers. They can be very effective in the system, become very efficient, but they actually have to remain publicly owned and publicly governed uh, and not be running uh, a parallel system right now that's competing for uh, healthcare workers, for nurses and other frontliners, because uh, we have a huge problem in our healthcare system. We don't have enough nurses. Yeah, um, we can't fill those spots that we need to fill to care for people. So you know the government's going in the wrong direction with, you know, wanting to turn this over to for profit. Uh, you know, we we believe that there is a sound case for standalone surgical centers, but they have to be attached to a hospital. They have to belong to uh, the public and be governed by the public and be complementary uh, and work with the publicly funded system. You know, um, it just the government's going in the wrong direction on this. In terms of um, you know having healthcare as you know uh, a place to build equity mm-hmm. for shareholders, John Fraser is our guest, Ontario interim Liberal leader. Um, what would what would you do? What would your fa- right now? What what would you do if it was your wife right now? Would you go to Montreal? You'd have to, wouldn't you? I mean, it's one thing to I, say yeah. three yeah. years from now, like of course, like we could all vote differently and change how our healthcare is run, but we're, we're stuck with what we're stuck with right now in a lot of capacities. What would the Fraser family do? Well, I, you know, um, you know, it's. You know, the thing is, if I was faced with, with I'm, I would, um, I would think that we would do that. I would think that we're, we're just not going to wait. I mean, I just, I'd be overturning every stone, but the you know, no. thing is, it's like, you know, but if you've got a solution, 
that's two hours away that you can get within a week or 10 days. Wow. And you know, you're, you know, and if you, when you read that story, there are a lot of women who understand they're not, you know, they're not going to get it right away. There's a recommended waiting time and they, and, and, and they're willing to wait, but they're not willing to wait and not know when their surgery is coming. It's the not knowing, right? It's the pushing the surgery out. It's the cancellation. And it's just, you know, I've, I've spoken to a number of them on, on you know, mm-hmm. just calling at the constituency office. And it is, um, it's heartbreaking. And, and so when you're sick, when you've got cancer, you want to get treatment as quickly as you can. And because you want to get it out of your body, you want to get started healing. And so these, uh, any weights um, are just, uh, well, they just cause uh, suffering and worry. And um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that you'd, you know, we would have to consider that and that, you know, if, if you're not going to get an answer as to when your surgery is going to be, or you're afraid that it keeps getting pushed out, you know, um, I hear, I hear you. And, and, and that's, that's what like our, our, our family you know, could, could be able to afford that, but it's just like, we'd be, we'd be lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm more worried about what about, you know, what about this single woman who's on a fixed income and or on a pension or on a, in a modest income, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars is a lot of cash. It's unbelievable. And and of course, again, that's that's why we all look and we say we don't want the states for healthcare outcomes. They are speedy, but um, but for equity, no, they're they stink. For outcomes, they stink. For access to like the like, no, we don't want that. But I also look at where we're ranked, John, compared to a lot of European countries and access to care and equity and balance. They've they've figured it out. Like, I think this is just worth digging deeply into because I list all those all those 63,000 people that go to the states for care. And they were doing that in 2016, like halfway through Kathleen Wynne's run as premier. Like these aren't new problems. I agree with you. They're worse now than ever. They're worse now than ever. But we got to fix this. Well, the thing is, you know, we started measuring wait times around 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. And we did it expressly for for the the kind of situation that we have right now is that we can identify where there's a problem and address it. And so the thing that really shocks me about this is this problem didn't happen last month. It's been happening for months, if not a year, that we knew we were going in this direction at this particular hospital. Right, right. And so, it, it, you know, you know, 13% or 30% doesn't trigger action. Yeah. I, I mean, we just don't measure these times to put up pretty graphs on websites. No, no, not management tool. No, not in the least. I'm up against the clock, but I so appreciate your passion on this issue and and you coming on. And I hope we can have more conversations about where healthcare goes in this province. Thanks for the time today. For sure, Greg. Thanks a lot, Greg. John Fraser joining us on uh, Toronto Today. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. So we've heard so much about Ontario land. There were trees. Pull out the trees. Get rid of the trees. Keep the trees in. You know what I'm talking about, right? The trees. That's right. The Lorax is uh, weighing in. Everybody's weighing in about uh, (laughs) speaking for the trees. You're right about this. But here's something we've all just learned. So this new subway line that's that's supposed to connect the current Ontario Science Centre with Ontario Place, well, it's inaccurate. The Ontario line is actually supposed to stop at an exhibition place, which is close to Ontario Place, but it's still quite a walk. So now they're trying to figure out 
how to get from exhibition place to actual Ontario place. This is something they didn't take into consideration. Well, they probably did, but they sort of glazed over that that detail. Yeah. Uh, and now they're trying to figure out what's the best way to get people there. So it still doesn't even fully connect after all of this back right. and forth. So what's in it for me? If I go and, and if I go to a concert or I go to TFC and I end up at Union, isn't everybody that can get to Union or ends up at Union just going to keep taking the go train to exhibition? You're not you're not giving me That's any it. reason and and to get that much closer to Ontario place. And I think we all, you know, there were email chains going around with us internally at 640. It is still a walk from the exhibition go train stop. You go under yes. a bridge, you come up uh, stairs. BMO's right in front of you. The X is also right in front of you when it's happening. But it is a walk to that concert venue. Then the concert venue is you got to make a sharp left, it looks like, to get to Ontario Place because Ontario Place is going to be east. Or sorry, the Science Center and the spa are going to be east of the concert venue. I, like it's a 20, now imagine doing that. It's a twenty with, minute walk with three kids, with three two kids. of whom are in a double stroller. I That's know. nuts to me. So I the know. consideration, the options that they're currently considering are a people mover, an automated people mover, cable cars, other examples that they're just, they're still trying to hash out the details here. But this is a, something, a minute detail in their eyes that they overlooked. I think all I, of this, the projects and the, the cost of this, it doesn't even go all the way. No, you nailed it. And I mentioned it yesterday on the show where, you know, we're talking about the Toronto Star editorial board. She was talking about congestion charges and tolling highways until you get transit right don't don't chastise people for getting in their damn cars yes. saving money and making their lives easier like don't That's don't it. chastise a family of four for parking as close as they can to go see the wiggles at bud stage or going to the ontario i don't know if they tour as much anymore as they used to They're, they've changed a lot anyway. and now finding finding parking paying for that parking it's just going to be for a family of four it's i think this is such an inconvenience sure absolutely absolutely it is but if you if you're asking people come here because it's it's really easy transit wise i'm not asking you to a transit line may not be able to drop you right off at the doorstep of the spa or or bud stage or anything but you're not you're not giving anybody a better option i don't think that was that was laid out there here's doug ford talking about it last week they had the big newser we had king of Surma on the show here's doug ford talking about the ontario place link and and maybe we should have paid more attention to these 27 seconds of audio and we want to create as much density as as possible but i'm gonna to have to get back to you on the exact amount but there's going to be thousands of, of units there and it's going to be right on on the transit line so it's going to be really exciting just imagine you can live up there hop on the brand new subway come all the way down to exhibition grounds and then we're going to have a transportation mode that metrolinx is working on to get us from the drop off at exhibition grounds right into ontario place not very specific um chiba how'd you how, how'd you enjoy the spa you went with your husband and kids well we <laughs> took the transportation mode well you're not telling me anything <laughs> You're not telling me what it is, how much it will cost, how frequent it will be, and that's he where hasn't we figured live it right out now. Himself. He doesn't that's know. what that means. He doesn't know himself. He's making it up as he goes along. And and heaven forbid. I mean, I know uh, my um, it, it, my attendance at Duran Duran in a downpour during a lightning storm was well documented <laughs> last fall. But you walk in like you if if there's any inclement weather and the train drops you at exhibition. And you got to walk to Bud Stage or Ontario Place or the Ontario Science Center. You're going to abandon that trip. You're Awful. not going to do it. You're not going to walk around that place like a soaking, uh, a soaked cocker spaniel uh, for two hours because that's what will happen. You will get wet 
along that way. There's no underground. It's not like getting to Union and going to a Jays game and you're like, ah, I can get there. It's all underground. There's a bridge. There's an escalator. And then the game will be inside. You're getting soaked. So we know how unpredictable our weather is in the spring and fall. Good. Like, again, I think people are being too skeptical about the spa as in it's too expensive. Well, no, it's not. If $40 gets you in, you and I know Wonderland is more than that to get in. And I don't know how people, you can question the the methodology that's got them there, but I don't know that it won't be successful. I don't know how people know that it won't work, that it won't be a big hit. Maybe it will, but you have every right to criticize the transparency and criticize how open the process has been. Give you that. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The Ontario Place story is the story that keeps giving. I get it. I hear from mayoral candidates and they're really, really frustrated. This is still a story. But all of us just have some, I think we all feel like we've got some skin in the game, some heartbeat in our chest about where it's going to end up going. I know that that's true. Uh, Alex Bozikovic is our uh, is our guest right now. He's the uh, architecture critic for the Globe and Mail, and I really, really enjoy reading his stuff. Alex, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks uh, for making the time for our audience. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You have seen some ebbs and flows in this story. There is, There are moments over the last couple of weeks where we're like, well, that's it. We won't be talking about Ontario Place because we've got transit issues and homelessness issues and uh, and homes to build issues. And yet here we are once again, right? It's kind of wild. I mean, it did look as though um, some folks were starting to lose interest in it, though not me. And then Ford just kind of uh, opened everything up again by announcing that the Science Center would not just be expanding there, but would actually be closing. And we just don't have data. I, I understand sometimes. I, I use the example of Massey Hall. If someone, I love Massey Hall as a venue. So when it reopened and just the fact they were able to keep it going, I was overjoyed because I get it with architecture, nothing lasts forever. And we all kind of pine for for things that we love and, and that are from the past. But I, I wonder about the Ontario Science Center. And there's more than enough people that have said, no, 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 this is way too important a historic building to just to just knock to the ground and build somewhere else. Well, of course it is. I mean, it was a gift to the people of Ontario. That's what the government said at the time. And it is, I think, one of the best buildings in the city and also one of the most beloved buildings in the city. You know, so many of us have had the experience of going there, you know, going through those grand halls and winding our way down into the ravine, you know, running your hands across those concrete walls. It's, you know, it's the experience of being there is imprinted onto the memories of so many of us. And, you know, I think getting rid of that is something that we just can't accept, regardless of uh, whether it's expensive or not. And I think you, you made the case in, in your um, in your story in The Globe that it's um, like the, there's a sense of community to the building. And, and you make the case as well just now that most of us remember it really well because most of our most of our childhood memories are we'd remember the, the first time we walked through there wasn't when we were 32. It was when we were eight or when we were 11. That's exactly right. And, you know, looking back, at, I think the Science Center was one of the buildings that sort of awakened my own interest in architecture and in building. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the bigger piece of this, I think, with both Ontario Place and with the Science Center is that these are places that are places that we all had in common. Right. I mean, it happens that they came out of a certain moment in history, you know, when government was doing sort of big and exciting things. And they were designed by young designers in a really creative and ambitious way. You know, the park at Ontario Place and the buildings are the same thing. But, you know, the the larger importance is, as with Massey Hall, that these are places where, you know, we, many of us have had this shared experience. And, you know, that's just invaluable. Right. I mean, even if the buildings weren't special, which they are, you know, keeping that in place 
is something that is just, you know, they're embedded in our culture and, and we can't just be too quick to let that go. So I asked, um, I mean, our listeners could probably guess who some of these people are, but I asked two people kind of on different sides of the political spectrum. I asked a former Toronto mayor at not that one. And I asked a uh, and I asked of somebody that was high up in a uh, provincial government. And they both kind of had the same common thought about that building, Alex. First thing no one's done their homework. They can't do anything without city and, and, and the TRCA approval. So they can't knock it down. They can't move it without the city jumping in. And the biggest thing to me is if you're talking about progress, the building's not suitable and the land isn't suitable for housing because of the flood risk. They all agree on that. Well, you know, the science center is, as I was mentioning, is built down into the valley. And that means that, you know, from a regulatory point of view, you can't build anything where most of the current building is. Where you can build is on the giant parking lots in front of it. And in fact, the city is already planning to do so. You know, part of the parking lots there are already part of the city's Housing Now program. And there's a proposal that's been working its way through approvals for a couple of years now. So, you know, the upshot there is that it is possible, and I think makes a lot of sense to put some amount of new housing on that site, but to get rid of the science center at the same time is unnecessary, and it would be a huge blow for that part of the city as well, even as you add thousands of new residents. Alex, are, are, are there problems? Do we have fingers to point at letting Ontario play, or sorry, the science center go a little bit? Because I can certainly do that with Ontario places. A lot of people making a lot of clucking right now about Ontario places, and I'm like, at one point, you might have been in a position of a power to not let it get so decrepit. Did we let this building go towards the end of its lifespan and, and not properly maintain the Science Center? Absolutely. I mean, ever since the mid-90s, um, you know, in the Harris era in Ontario, uh, introduced austerity, um, you know, government has just not wanted to spend money on stuff and particularly on buildings. There's this weird thing that also has shown up in the public school system where yeah. it's somehow seen as unnecessary to maintain buildings. So, you know, while you're still paying for programs and then, you know, eventually that pays, you know, negative, <laughs> negative dividends, you know, a building falls apart and it's only more expensive to, to put it back together. You know, I do want to add, though, that provincial heritage laws um, apply to buildings that are controlled by the province or rather are owned by the province. And so there are some modern office buildings that are part of the Queen's Park complex that have been restored over the last couple of years. And the government has spent a billion dollars on restoring those buildings. And, you know, that's what you do when you're a government and you have buildings that are of historic importance. You fix them. Yeah, that's that only that only makes sense. We just we just gave that example of Massey Hall. There's there's the Wonderland seems to do this every year. I know it's a theme park, but there's a tweak and something new and something that brings you coming back and, and they maintain the stuff that so it doesn't get decrepit. Alex, thanks so much for the time today. I got a blast. But I, again, I, I think everybody should be reading what you wrote about this and, and keep doing it. Hey, thanks so much, Greg. You bet. Uh, uh, Alex Bozakovic, our guest on Toronto Today.